These lads are mental, recognises the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation as the custodians and traditional owners of Sydney. We pay respect to their ancestors and elders, past and present, and value their continuing connection to lands, living culture, and integral contribution to the bright and inclusive future of this beautiful city that we call home. Welcome to These Lads Are Mental. My name is Gary. And I'm Neil. And our podcast is a lighthearted approach to normalise mental health. But before we start today's show, please listen to our disclaimer. This show is just a group of opinions and is not to be treated as medical advice. If you are struggling with mental health, please speak to your physician or reach out to a service such as Lifeline. Thank you. This week's episode, we have Jennifer Waltman. She is the Blue Voices Manager at Beyond Blue. This episode is a really good one if you're someone who is considering opening up about your mental health and aren't sure where to go. Or additionally, you want to listen to someone with a real life example of what it's like to have lived or be living with a mental health obstacle. Every podcast we do, and I know you've listened to a couple, we always do start with uh, the question and asking a guest what mental health means to them in just one or two sentences. So it'd be good to hear your take on that. Yeah, look, I think mental health just in general is a very, is also, I hate to say it, a buzzword. And we're hearing it, you know, obviously more often these days because of COVID, because of all of our natural disasters here in Australia as well. Um, and everyone talks about mental health. But I think when we really talk about it, if you really kind of boil it down a bit, everyone has mental health, right? So I think, unfortunately, over the last couple of decades, we've had a really negative connotation around that word mental health. Like it's it's got some stigma around it. When you think about it, everyone's got mental health, right? We all have health. So whether it's mental or physical, we all have health, right? But when you say mental health, you put that word mental in front of it. I think immediately so many people put a negative connotation around it, like it's a bad thing, when really it's something that we all have. Some some people have great mental health. Some people are struggling with their mental health. Um, some people are in recovery. So you know, we call it a mental health continuum, kind of where you are on that continuum, whether you're you're struggling or you're in crisis, all the way up to you're healthy or you're, you've recovered. So I think for me, mental health is kind of that, that point um, in your mind and kind of in your being that you're feeling like, you know, you might have dark thoughts, you might have um, some bad experiences, you might be dealing with trauma. Um, that's happened to you in the past or something that's happened to you that's happening to you currently but you're able to manage it in a way that allows you to function and allows you to you know be on that road to recovery and so that mental health is is your health so it's it includes your physical health and your mental health but it's health in general and so I think again people are on different journeys and they have different experiences of their health their mental health being sometimes great and sometimes you know as we all know it can it can differ from day to day how you're feeling on that mental health continuum but I think it's just it's really if you boil it down it's it's how you manage you know and you get through each day um, and not fight those kind of dark thoughts that that can creep into your head sometimes yeah it's it's interesting because when you think of the physical health which you mentioned just there there's words for the positive and the negative. So you're either really fit or you're really unfit. Yeah. When you think of mental health, you think you, you like you hear, I'm struggling with my mental health, but you don't actually, what is the positive version of that? 
Like, I don't even know. Like, you don't go, uh, I'm winning at my mental health. Like, I don't even know. There's no phrase for that in our vocabulary, is there at the moment? Like, if you're doing really well on your mental health, is is there a term that we use? Not really, right? I mean, I think you hear the, the word recovery a lot, but I think that's a little bit more specific to people that have endured trauma or they've endured um, a point in their life where they were struggling with their mental health and now they're kind of on that road to recovery. So that might be on the other end of that kind of mental health continuum. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, either, like you said, you're fit or you might be unfit or you might be somewhere in between. I think that's pretty accurate. Um, and I've also heard that word um, mental wellness instead of mental illness or, you know, or not, you know, a, a mental health. It's so hard with the language, you know, sometimes you hear mental health condition. I like to actually say mental health challenge because condition, I also feel like has kind of a negative connotation around it, mm. um, saying that there's something wrong with you, you know, you have a condition. I think a challenge is is pretty accurate when we think about how we all, you know, kind of go along our journey and face different challenges in our life. Um, a mental health challenge might be just something that that we're facing you know, temporarily, or it might be an ongoing kind of, you know, path. Yeah, that... it's, it's always associated with the negative, right? Because mm. people say, I struggle, it's mm. an illness, it's a disease, you know, they're the type of terms that are thrown against the word mental, rather than it being, yeah, like a struggle. Mm. Um, it's probably hard to find a word that summarizes in that, mm. you know, because you're like, it was more like maybe my mental well-being is not in a good state right now, something like that might be a bit more yeah mm. you know affable than saying that like i'm struggling with my mental health because that's the kind of the go-to with all this but you just you just never hear someone going I, I was trying to think as you were speaking there maybe focused you know i'm really focused right now on my mental health mm. but you just don't hear it that often that's probably like a ratio we probably need to change right there's so much around language and you know um fortunately i think now and and in the last several years um, can, you know, organizations, individuals, governments, everybody starting to understand that in order to try to put the right language out there on social media, on, you know, in print, on the web, on TV, that they do have to involve people with lived or living experience to understand what language is safe, what language is understandable by the broader community. And it's only until you actually talk to the people with those mental health challenges that you're going to uncover that language that's most appropriate, that's safe, that people understand. And so that's called co-design, that's called co-production, co-planning. There's all of those, those terms as well. But what they mean is you're actually going to the expertise of the people with a lived or living experience and saying, what resonates with you? What, what means something to you? And what do you feel is safe? So if someone said to you, you have a mental health illness, does that trigger you? Does that make you feel like there's something wrong with you? Would you rather another word or another phrase, you know? So well, who, that's, who that's fortunate think, for us, yeah. Who do you think is ultimately responsible that, for that though? Because, you know, even think, of terms like suicide then that changes to taking your own life um death by suicide like that just changes around you never know who's made that decision or what it's based off like is it governments is it institutions like beyond blue is it all of us like where does the book stop with how we actually navigate that whole topic 
like that's a great question Neil <laughs> obviously I don't have the ultimate answer to that right but it is such a good um question and it's 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 really good to ponder these kinds of things because we try we try every day to get it right we try every day to understand how language affects people and who decides on that you're right I mean I think you know historically um several probably a couple of decades ago someone said committing suicide is not the correct term because it's got that connotation that there's been a crime that's been committed um when really it's not it's not a crime it's something that someone chose to do which meant that they took their own life you also hear the term um died by suicide instead of committed suicide so I often hear people say committed suicide and they have the best intentions when they say that and depending on the context and depending on the environment that I'm in I might say did you know that you know a couple of decades ago or a while ago it's been decided by, and you're right, Neil, I don't know exactly who that was, that that may not be the most appropriate or most safe term. So try to maybe say next time when you're talking about someone that's taken their own life that they've taken their own life or they've died by suicide rather than commit suicide because it kind of sounds like maybe they they committed a crime which you know they didn't so yeah and I think those yeah. things do make an impact because remember that was the whole campaign over in the U.S. when we had global warming which was when that first came out and then there was a huge like campaign against that to try and take the power out of that to climate change which was softer which meant mm -hmm. it less of an issue which was smart in the like it was terrible you know I think it was like Fox News and stuff like that that did that but it was also clever, uh, like the subtle changes of how things are phrased, mm -hmm. make it less of a priority. And that can work work both ways. But also, yeah, you hear sometimes, uh, yeah, you're not supposed to say that now. Or they say you should say this. And they're like, who's the day? Like, you know, yeah, who's um, they? Yeah. and mm -hmm. even, even with suicide, how it's reported, that's changed. I know like a lot of times it's not mentioned what if someone passes away, they won't mention it. And usually that's a sign that maybe something else has gone on <laughs> sorry <laughs> hang on a second we've got a delivery sorry <laughs> oh you're okay oh you've, you've muted sorry deliveries of course it's christmas um i'm so sorry neil i totally no you're all good oh there yeah no because because you know, in one sense, like media were almost controlling, well, they control a lot of what we hear anyway, but they were controlling the dynamic around how that was reported. And look, I don't know the answer one way or another, you know, but I'd rather it be backed off research and science, you know, because if you think about, we talk about the stigma, you know, which is, I know is a huge thing with Beyond Blue, removing the stigma. So if we're, if we're not talking about the cause, like, my good feeling is like is that the right way to go about it i don't know like i understand you don't want to normalize it and things like that which which makes a lot of sense but i still feel like there's a middle ground there where we can talk about it where it doesn't normalize it in a negative way but normalizing the fact that hey if we talk about this it won't continue to be such an issue because in almost every episode gary we touch on the fact that like suicide is the biggest a taker of life in Australia between the age of 18 and uh I think 45 is it particularly yeah. amongst males so it's like mm. and to just like not speak about it you know seems like it's not the right way to go about it but 
Yeah, you're right, Neil. And I, and I, and sorry, I shouldn't say you're right, but I agree with what you're saying because stigma has a lot to do with that. And so when you're talking about reporting suicides, and I, I think a lot of not doing that by state and territory, um, there was a decision to not report those because of the stigma. And then of course, stigma can then um, lead to discrimination. So um, yeah, you've got like um, government bodies now working on the national stigma and discrimination reduction strategy. Um, and it has all, all of that has to do with the stigma and the discrimination that sits around that mental health piece. And it's just, again, mental health. But again, you're talking about workplaces and people being stigmatized if they say they have a lived experience. Um, but again, I think there's also that hope in that we're heading down that road of trying to reduce the stigma and at the same time lots of organizations understanding that lived experience of people and and being in the workplace can be really powerful and valuable um, and that people with lived or living experience have an, a certain expertise that not everyone does so that now there are roles that are lived or living experience designated so that means that if you apply for a particular role in an organization when you read the position description, it will say this role is a lived experience designated role, meaning that you should have a lived experience of some kind of mental health challenge um, in order to do well and be successful in this role. So they're looking for people that specifically have a lived or a living experience. So look, it's not happening everywhere, obviously, but it's starting to become a little bit more prevalent um, amongst workplaces and governments, which is a good sign. Yeah, I think that's, that's a, a good segue uh, into your story, Jen. Uh, obviously, you have had that lived experience or, or living experience. So could you just maybe start from where you feel comfortable starting? Sure. Um, look, I, I came from, from a pretty broken home. You know, my parents divorced when I was five. Um, I lived with my mom. I saw my dad maybe three times before he passed away. And... Um, so, you know, that broken home, no siblings, um, kind of was very isolated and a little bit, I felt abandoned, you know, at, at times. And so when my mom died, I think was the trigger for me. So my mom died when I was quite young, I was 26. My mom um, dealt with a lot of mental health issues herself. Um, and she also had some addictions. So um, when she died, again, it, it kind of compounded my loneliness and I felt quite at the end of my rope. So. I was having suicidal thoughts, um, but I think back then, if I reflect, I must have been having suicidal thoughts and kind of at the bottom of the barrel, but at the same time, had enough clarity to go, I don't feel safe being alone. So I actually checked myself into a mental health institution um, and stayed there for a couple of um, weeks. Um, I was you know, recommended to join the group sessions, which I didn't want to, because I just wasn't feeling brave enough to talk and, and was quite upset, um, but managed to go to some of those sessions. And um, it really helped me just kind of getting away from any dangers. Um, but I also found out um, through a number of tests and talking to psychiatrists within the hospital that I was suffering from clinical depression. And so um, I, um, you know, that was more than 20 years ago. There wasn't that lived or living experience term that was used. It was, you know, you're suicidal, you, you've had suicidal thoughts and behaviors. And 
there wasn't anything about, you know, you have a lived experience of depression or, or you've been bereaved or any of that stuff. So um, there wasn't any talk of that. It was, it was just not even a thing or a term back then. Um, and so fast forward, you know, I, I think I knew, you know, I was told that I had depression. I started seeing a psychologist, which really, really helped me, helped me with the, you know, um, process the, the death of my mom and, and combating that kind of loneliness. Because at that point, when I say at that point, I didn't have a sibling, I can, I can go and talk about having a sibling later on, which is a bit of a strange thing, but I found my sister after several years of never knowing that I had a sister, um, but that's a different story. Um, but that it really helped going to a psychologist understanding more about my depression and how to manage it um and then um you know fast forward I'm kind of managing it seeing a psychiatrist here and there not doing it enough probably if I reflect on that should have been going a little bit more often um didn't ever go down the roads of taking medication so that was probably um, just a decision I, I had to, to not go down that road and to do talk therapy instead. Uh, but then, unfortunately, um, I came to Australia in 2007 um, and um, held down some really good, for, you know, permanent full-time jobs and was doing really well. I was working in learning and development for more than 20 years. Um, but then I, I um, had a workmate that I was very, very close to. Um, that took his own life and he sat right next to me and he was kind of my mentor and told me how to do my job and taught me everything I, I knew. So I was quite close to, to him and his wife and um, their two little boys. And so that one hit me really hard. Um, and less than two months before that, uh, another friend that I had in another state here in Australia took his own life as well. Um, and then within probably less than a year of the second person that I worked with, um, taking his own life, another person at my workplace took his own life. So within a three-year period, three significant people in my life um, took their own lives. And it was very um, devastating for me. Um, and it was it was the the person from my workplace, the one that I was the closest to. When he took his own life, it really kind of put me into a mode where I felt like I needed to do something. I wanted to try to um, understand more about suicide, more about mental health, um, knowing that I had my depression that I was managing at the same time, and really try to, to do something about it and kind of um, see if I could change the narrative a bit around suicide, around stigma and all of that. So I started volunteering with Beyond Blue. I think I knew Beyond Blue in my head, um, very well-known organization. So I didn't know where to start, but I started with the online forums, chatting to other people about their mental health and um, tried to offer assistance where I could and tried to just be a listening ear for some people. Um, and then I also joined the speakers team and um, I got some training on how to be a speaker for Beyond Blue and ended up doing um, 10 sessions around the Sydney area, uh, kind of delivering my story like I'm doing right now uh, to workplaces. Uh, and then I was also fundraising for Beyond Blue and uh, volunteered at the Bunnings trade show, uh, talking to a bunch of tradies about their mental health. Um, and then I joined Blue Voices, which I'll talk about in a second, but Blue Voices um, was a, another avenue 
to try to give back and try to kind of connect with other people that also had a lived or living experience of a mental health challenge. So that, you know, with Blue Voices, I ended up joining a committee um, that supported people who had been bereaved by suicide as well. So looking at things from a non-clinical lens and more of a lived or living experience lens to try to help with reforming policy and doing, you know, suicide prevention kind of tasks as well. So I was all about beyond blue. Um, and then on the side, I was still working in learning and development, but I wasn't feeling like it was enough in terms of my contribution to the mental health sector. I wanted to be able to do something every single day. I really wanted to kind of immerse myself into it. So besides the Beyond Blue gigs, all of those different things I was doing, volunteering with Beyond Blue, um, I also started volunteering with Black Dog and Black Dog does is really good with research and studies and the clinical side of things. So I started um, volunteering with them and ended up becoming a lived experience advisor at, at Black Dog, again, just kind of on the side. And then I started working on projects with the Mental Health Commission and New South Wales Mental Health Commission. Um, and I also started a contract with a consultancy firm that work on the Toward Zero Suicide Initiatives that's funded by New South Wales Health, which is looking at um, trying to evaluate programs that have been geared towards preventing suicide. So evaluating those programs. So I was doing all of that stuff on the side, but again, thinking, look, I've got my L&D job every day. It's fine, but I'm still not doing enough. I'd rather just work inside the sector every day where I can really try to make as much difference as I can. So um, a role came up at Beyond Blue to work on the staff at Beyond Blue um, as a Blue Voices manager. And I knew Blue Voices because I was a member of Blue Voices. So I applied for the role um, and I got it. I was lucky to, to get that role. And so now um, I kind of feel like if I look back and I reflect on kind of where I started more than 20 years ago to where I am today, I'm now helping other people use their lived experience or, or living experience voice so they can help inform policy and guide services and programs to make those mental health and suicide prevention programs better across Australia. So I, I manage the, the Blue Voices team. Well, I was going to stop you there for a second because, look, <laughs> listen to that. Yeah. We're not going to use the word inspiring, <laughs> as we mentioned already. But if anybody's, this is why we're fucking doing this podcast. This is why it's so important about these sharing these conversations, because you're really an example for anyone that's listening to this who's feeling a bit low at the moment. Like, Jen, you're honestly a perfect example of how like you've had so many knocks through your past. Literally anything you could think of has happened to you. And also you've shown, which we've said countless times across multiple episodes, just start small, just put yourself, put one foot ahead of the other and you don't know where it might go. And you're a case in point of that. You know, you I think you mentioned your story. You had a friend that you reached out to first, which was often the hardest step for anyone to do. You did that. You checked yourself in. You started to see a psychologist. I think you also said in your in your story that the first person you went to see wasn't the right one. I think it was the third person you got to before you found out that was the right person. Again, you know, these are all things that we've heard over the course of the last 20 odd episodes. But you're a real life example. If anyone's out there thinking, I can't do this anymore of you can and look at you now foreign country leading this like 
carrying this torch you know there's not to say everybody will go on to be such an ambassador for the topic like you are but it's amazing to see what you've been able to do with let's say we were talking about being a condition or an illness or whatever you want to call it you've now turned that into such a positive so I think on behalf of all of us I think and everyone that's listening like you are really um a brilliant example to people out there that you know this shouldn't determine your life you can determine it so well done for all that oh thanks Neil and I think you bring up a really good point I think especially for people that are really struggling with some pretty severe mental um challenges mental health challenges that um they have this fear of being defined by their diagnosis when really you should be defined as a person and have a diagnosis on the side right it doesn't define you just like your job doesn't define you it's only part of you um and yeah it's look I don't know if I'm an inspiration but I I'm definitely someone that just felt the need because I was seeing so many people taking their own lives and going what can we do about this this has got to stop um and then hearing the aftermath of people talking about that person or multiple people taking their lives and using really stigmatizing language about it um and that doesn't help you know we've got to normalize mental health like I said earlier it's health it's it's part of who we are whether it's physical or mental <clears throat> sorry physical or mental health it's our health right we the more we <clears throat> put all this stigmatizing language around it the less people will be willing to talk about it so normalizing it talking about the fact that yes someone took their own life um we don't need to talk about how they did that it's irrelevant. The fact is that they did it. And I think the focus should be on how do we prevent that from happening to other people? How do we how do we support people before they get to the point of crisis so that it doesn't continue to happen? Those are the focus areas that I think are the most important, not talking about the aftermath because then it's too late, isn't it? So yeah, um, thanks for that. I don't feel like I'm an inspiration. I just feel like I and someone that is paying attention to what's going on in the world and really trying to to pre help prevent people getting into crisis and and well, making it you know having things get worse for them but you're also an example of and there's many examples of this as well by seeing something and then trying to make a change and often people can think oh it's too big for me i can never change this but you can you know one idea one thing that sprung to mind there was like thank you water that started because a guy saw an ad on tv where there was people in the world um who couldn't get clean water and he was thinking water is a billion dollar industry you know probably even in this country how on earth are there people that still can't even afford water and he started thank you water and um, which now is doing all kinds of different products and then they put money back into local villages that you know to create wells and things like that so that was just off seeing a tv ad that struck a chord with him mm -hmm. so again like same with your story like you know you can like something as simple as that can literally change your whole life and then you can also drive change and whatever that topic is so don't feel like something is ever too big start small and you never know you might create the next thank you water whatever that may be but uh, that's a good segue is that you mentioned the blue voices and even beyond blue, maybe you could give us like a quick intro into anyone that is not aware of what beyond blue is like the black dog you mentioned is very research focused, maybe like top line what beyond blue is and then maybe what blue voices is within that. 
Sure. So I think Beyond Blue is pretty um, well recognized across Australia. I think we're probably one of the most recognized kind of mental health organizations. But I suppose in one or two sentences, Beyond Blue, um, our aim is to support people to achieve their best possible mental health. And so what Beyond Blue does, you know, covers support services. We offer lots of resources. Um, there's ways to support Beyond Blue so that Beyond Blue can support the community. So there's fundraising and, and um, you know, donations and gifts and wills and those things as well. But our main aim is to support communities across Australia with their mental health. Um, that's changed over the over the years, but it does come down to if you look on the website, it says supporting people with anxiety, depression, or suicidal, you know, ideation or behavior. But we do find that a lot of people that want to volunteer, that are looking for a speaker, that want to be part of Blue Voices, oftentimes we call it comorbidities if they have more than one mental mental health challenge. So it's not you know, it, we do say anxiety, depression, or suicide, but oftentimes it could be a combination of those things, or it might sit um, outside of those three main kind of challenges. Um, and so again, we do lots of different things to support the community. If I talk about Blue Voices for a second, that's kind of um, a particular program within uh, Beyond Blue. Blue Voices are a, a large community. We're sitting around 5,700 um, people across Australia at the moment. Uh, I like to call them the on, online kind of behind the scenes community. They like to use, um, they have a lived experience or a living experience of anxiety, depression, or suicide or something similar to that. They like to use their lived or living experiences to inform policy, to make services and programs better. So oftentimes that will mean they might um, get involved with one of the unis across Australia that are leading a research or a study um, to understand more about suicide. Um, they might want to understand more about um, the schools or the youth, you know, in, in kind of their pressures. Um, so they, they run research or studies, they might join a focus group or do an interview. Um, and they do, and then it kind of breaks it down to they can help beyond blue. So we will have a piece of work that we're trying to um, maybe put out into the community, um, or we're doing some work kind of within beyond blue to support the community. But they also do work outside of beyond blue as well with other organizations like universities, like other mental health organizations. So we'll partner. Beyond Blue is really good with partnering with other. Um, organizations like Black Dog or Lifeline or Are You Okay um, to do studies to kind of send our community to them as well if they're doing studies or interviews. Um, they can also join committees through um, Blue Voices as well. So if they want to sit on a particular committee and use their, their voice um, to inform policy and that kind of thing. So, um, so we're a very busy program. And again, people are really pass passionate about making that change, about being the voice and, and lending their lived or living experience expertise. To, to make language better, to do whatever it is that the research or the study or those kinds of interviews are happening, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to make things better. So again, a very large, passionate community. So we're a busy, busy program, but um, 
Yeah, it's um, and it's different because we also have speakers at Beyond Blue that tell their story like I'm doing right now. They'll go to a workplace or a school or a club, something like that, and, and deliver their their story of hope and, and recovery and, and their journey along the way. So it's a little bit uh, separate from Blue Voices. Sometimes we have Blue Voices and speakers that will um, they'll do both programs. They'll they'll share their um their experience and their story, and they'll be part of Blue Voices as well. And we've got volunteers, we've got lots of different programs so that people can get involved um, with Beyond Blue. Yeah. Hearing, I think hearing a lot of people's stories and the speakers and then chatting in communities is very powerful. But one thing I, Neil and I have spoke a lot on podcasts with our guests is, so you, if you're someone who does or has even considered what your mental health is like, or you think maybe there's, a, there's something you need to you think about, and you hear someone's story, maybe your, your, your story today. Okay, so then at that point, what is the next step for people? What, what do you see as a practical next step? Of course, there's not just one. Beyond mm. Blue, obviously, get lots of programs like you suggested. Mm. If someone did today or tomorrow reach out to Beyond Blue, mm. obviously, one, how do they do that? Or two, what do you see as other practical steps that maybe... The government are helping with or just outside of the typical day-to-day -day things or we've obviously had people do meditation exercise and walking being with loved one dogs etc but going a step beyond that when you go do you know what i need to talk to someone about this or who do i talk to how do i talk to them i think really that's where the barriers are currently even for myself yeah. i don't think i'm clear enough on well what what is the steps there's a lot of financial obstacles for people if you want to go and see a psychologist mm -hmm. uh, up to a certain point i know you can get some for free but i think that to me would be my question of someone who's so experienced in the field is what is the practical steps for people look i have a lot of suggestions for you Gary. <laughs> so i'm going to try to remember because you said a few things and i'm like oh i need to tell them about this <laughs> i might i might Give you a few and then if you remind me about a couple of things that you touched on because then i'll i'll come back to those as well yes. look i think everyone's different everyone's um managing their own mental health in a way that's very personal to them so for some people that means they may not feel comfortable reaching out to someone on the phone they don't want to talk on the phone there are text services available from lifeline so if you're feeling like I don't really want to speak to someone, but I would feel more comfortable texting. Lifeline has a, a texting service. Um, Beyond Blue has all kinds of services. You can chat online with peers. So there is a moderator on the online forums that kind of sits in the background just to make sure that the appropriateness is happening and the safety is happening. But it's really peers talking to each other, which again, this is what we're talking about, lived experience. It's people that have felt anxious or depressed or suicidal talking to other people that feel similar so that's a very powerful tool sometimes it's just it means i'm talking to someone that knows how i feel um there is and, and just to talk about government for a second there is a really great resource sitting on the national mental health commission website if you go to the front page and then go to i think it's find support is the button it will give you a whole list of different support services that you can reach out to depending on how you feel. So there's like a list that you can reach out to um, if you're feeling like you're in crisis. So that's gonna include places like Lifeline. Um, I have a list. There's also one for First Nations people, um, stuff that's COVID-19 specific, um, natural disaster specific, financial that you mentioned earlier, Neil, that people feel like they can't 
receive help because maybe financially they're not doing very well. So there's a financial one. There's one for defense force and veterans as well. So it lists, it lists a whole list of, of options that you can reach out to people. With Beyond Blue, we have the online forums. We have um, 24 seven um, online support and phone support as well. So there's lots of options there. And I might mention too, you said earlier, Neil, um, about the financial bit. I just wanna talk, this is probably a plug for <laughs> um, the government, but it's also for Beyond Blue. We have something called New Access on Beyond Blue, which gives you six mental health coaching sessions for free. You wow. don't have to have a GP referral. So oh, this is a big deal because on the other, on the flip side, you can also receive 20 mental health sessions with a psychiatrist by going to your GP. So if you go to your GP and you say, look, I don't feel mentally well at the moment, what can I do? They'll put you on a mental health plan and then give you 20 sessions. Oftentimes those sessions can be done um, without a cost associated with them if you go to bulk billing to a bulk billing doctor. So there's ways around that financial bit, but you could start with um, Beyond Blue and talk to the new access team who can give you six coaching sessions for free without the GP referral. Lots of different options there. But you know what? I feel like depending on how you're feeling with your mental health, the first step is really just reaching out to someone and saying, I don't feel great. Oftentimes people don't feel well enough or brave enough to actually reach out to that person. So I think it's kind of the responsibility of all of us across Australia to look out for your friends and look out for your mates. And if you notice that someone's not acting, you know, their normal self, reach out to them and just say, how are you going? You know, Even you your say, story. When you say, are you okay? They're going to go, yeah or no, right? But if you say, how are you going? What's happening with you? You're opening it up a little bit more. Sorry, Neil, what did you say? Well, I was going to say, your story struck a chord with me, particularly with the close work friends who you said you shared a desk with and you're very close over a number of years. You picked them up from work, I think, on the day. And unfortunately, he, he took his own life, but you had no idea of the struggles he was going through and that happened to me with a close friend back in Ireland he he took his own life as well and nobody had any clue that he was struggling he was the happiest guy going super confident good at sports you know he, he on paper he had everything going for him and um yeah he passed away and then it was just such a shock as well so yeah that step that you mentioned of just reaching out to someone is could be life-changing you know um do you feel differently now neil that you i know you said that you had no idea and i had no idea as well but now i feel like i'm more sensitive to when you know the person that we're talking about my my workmate the thing he did say to me was that he was tired he said he was tired but he also had two really small boys at home and so I was like oh yeah I would be tired too if I was you know me and my wife were looking after two small boys that's that's a lot to take on now I know that if someone says I'm tired you know oh this or that I go well let's talk about it like do you feel like you're more sensitive now that you you didn't see any of that in your friend but now you're more keenly aware or more sensitive when people say something to you that you think it's not typically you know, I don't, they won't say I don't feel mentally well, but they might say I'm tired or I'm struggling. Does that do well, anything? My, 
my opinion on this, and we spoke about it in last we spoke about it in last week's episode was your surrounding like first of all, if you speak about it, immediately then those your loved ones and friends are aware. That's like let's say the first thing that you get from speaking out. Secondly, they're the people that know you intrinsically the best, right? They know the type of personality you are, things like that. And whilst if you do have a change in mood, like I think the point around being tired is more relevant to the person. And that the tired your phrase can be something else for someone else. But I think that's why there is a huge importance in not only you, but those around you to be aware, because if they're aware they should be able to pick up on things that maybe even you were unaware of. Could be body language, maybe you're drinking too much, you're partying, or yeah, you're not getting sleep, or you're a bit more aggressive than normally were. Like there's loads of ways you can manifest, and you'll be surprised the more you tell people, the more then they can pick if something's a bit off. And then sometimes you like I have it, I I had it like two, three days ago where, you know, my own wife was like, is everything okay with you? Like I'm a little bit worried about you. And that's, you know, whilst it's hard to hear as a person, sometimes, well, not sometimes, I think it's invaluable to your own mental health then because it gives you a bit of a pulse check and it can stop you in your tracks a little bit and you have to kind of take a think about it. So, yes, I think the tire thing have been more aware and I think it's easier for your surrounding network if they know your your scenario because if they don't, it's not to say they can't still read those signals, but it becomes so much easier if someone's told you that because then you can start going, oh, that makes sense. Because I think when I was younger and I was trying to grow, you know, if you're struggling with something, it can manifest in different ways. Like you can just be short with people, you can just be moody, but that's because you're, you've are you got some trauma that is unresolved. And then people just think, oh, he's just like, that's just a personality trait really but it's probably just something that you haven't resolved yourself internally so yeah there's a whole load of knock-on effects but i think mm. yeah i think i think that i do there's practical challenges to all that as well though i think like day-to-day stuff and i think this is where the real change can be made so the common advice would be reach out chat to people right but how often like so say i reached out to a mate today and said how are you doing they're going to say the usual yeah no bad good and your head like so say fictional character Johnny I'm like Johnny what's happened I know his personality inside out I know his family I know his background and I think he's, he's acting a lot off today I'm like Johnny how you doing yeah good yeah are you sure mate are you sure Johnny you don't seem yourself nah I'm all right I'm all right I'm all good so then you get to the point even as a friend you go how far do you push this so you go mate are you sure I'm always here for you no nah, no I know mate no, no dramas I know you're here for me so how far can you go and how do you really dig deeper at that point to get to the point. So then if they're relu- if the person's reluctant to reach out to, to open up to you or to anyone, that's what I see as the barrier from a day-to-day. Because I know lots of people when they're off off their game, shall I call it, and I'm not something's not quite right, whether it be I can tell. It could be a simple thing of they've not slept well, they've just had a newborn or blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But there is some people who I notice, I go, something like something's not quite right there. Well, that's what we were saying before you, about are you okay day like which is yep. great theory but like it's that's not like you know uh, most shouldn't say, just be one day of the year yeah that's yeah, right like, i am fine Every day. You, you've got to dig a bit deeper like are you really okay which i think they brought mm-hmm. in this year which was a good advancement on the tagline but yeah. one, one hot tip i have for maybe that's now gary and i get it like some kind you know big bravado guys or something like, oh, i'm totally fine but 
there was that example I heard somewhere before of if you invest in the emotional bank of somebody and show your own vulnerability, then mm. that builds up over time with them. So maybe if you go, yeah, look, you know, I, I'm struggling myself at the moment. Things aren't going well at home. You know, we had a big fight with my wife or whatever. If you kind of do things like that, sometimes then the barriers will come down for them. How many of those you need to do? I don't know, but I've heard that before that if you invest in somebody's emotional bank, um, the trust builds up and then they might be more likely to shift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that makes sense. That's a great, that's a great idea, Neil. I love that idea of, because then you're connecting with them as well, aren't you? You're connecting with them on a little bit of a deeper level. And you're, like you said, kind of gaining, hopefully gaining that trust. And I was going to say something that's probably a, a couple of levels, a couple of notches, a bit more extreme than what you've just said, Neil, but there's also something that I've always said to people, you know, cause I've said, I've heard people say, Oh, I don't want to be a burden. I don't want, they don't want to hear my yeah. story, blah, blah, blah. And my answer to that is look, I'd rather listen to your story than go to your funeral. And I know that sounds really like a bit much, but it's impactful and it's effective. You know, it just means, look, I'd rather, if you want to spend five hours telling me your story, I would much rather do that than to go to go to your funeral. You know, I have time to listen to your story. So I think if you do maybe a combination of that, if you get to that point, Neil, where you can actually build that trust up, then you don't have to say something like that to, to people. And, and maybe they aren't feeling in crisis or they may not be feeling suicidal, but like your friend, Gary, they could be just not feeling great. They're a little bit off. There's not, there's something wrong. And if you keep going and you keep saying, I'm fine, I'm fine. I would just go, look, I'm your friend. I've noticed that things aren't as they usually are with you. Um, and I'm worried about you. I'm concerned about you. Do you want to have a chat about it? Or do you want to chat to somebody else about it? Because I've heard people say to me before, I don't feel comfortable talking to this one person or talking to you or talking to someone else. And, you know, what we learn in, um, there's a, a really great suicide prevention program called ASSIST done by Living Works here in Australia. And it's a two days two day workshop that I went to and I learned all kinds of great hot tips as well. Um, and one of them is that when you're talking to someone, you're letting them know that you're, you know, you're worried about them. You've noticed something's not quite right with them. Um, but you you just keep going and you keep trying to ask the questions that will hopefully get them to the point where they'll share a little bit of information with you. But again, if they don't want to, not with you, not with someone else, find out who you can talk to. How about we talk to your mom or your dad or your sister or your brother or your friend? And if they feel comfortable talking to them, then at least they're they're telling that story to set to that one person or that that GP or that psychiatrist so that that kind of gets the conversation going. Um, but I think it just depends on when you ask for practical tips, there's so much Gary around that. But I think if you feel comfortable enough, talk to a friend, just get it off your chest, really let them know how you're feeling. Oftentimes, if it is someone that's in crisis or that's really struggling with something a bit deeper, it, it may be that they need to be referred on to a mental health professional like like a GP who can then go to a psychologist or a psychiatrist and that's fine um, but at least you can start there and then you can help that person so your friend Gary it could be that maybe you can't give them the advice that they need or the help that they need but your help you can you can help him get the seat. well that was the only caveat I was going to say about all that investment into their bank and stuff and mm. is 
to be careful not because we spoke about this a few episodes ago but like then relaying your story on them in a way that you're trying you're playing the victim role and mm. I think there's a real subtle art and being a good listener and Nula who was a few episodes ago said well she has her own uh, is it the quest one Gary that asked the yeah, question yes yeah. it's yep. not about you go and you know let's say for argument's sake Jen you confide in me and I go well I think you should do this you know go do that it's also quite da- like it can be dangerous sometimes to to give that throwaway advice sometimes it's more about just asking questions and letting them speak and not providing a solution for them would you agree does it like does that happen with some of the work with beyond blue definitely and oftentimes um it is someone that just wants to be heard wants to use their voice to say this is how i'm feeling may not necessarily be looking for a solution and that's fine. So it, again, your mental health, everyone's mental health is such a personal thing and we all have different experiences. So it could be just by listening, like you said, Neil, just by listening, you may uncover, do they actually, are they looking for a solution? Are they looking for help more than I can give them like a, a mental health professional or do they at this point just want to be heard? And it could be just having an ongoing conversation with someone and checking in with someone just to make sure that they're okay. And at the point that you feel like and you agree with your friends that you're talking to that they may not be okay, then you can have the conversation about helping them find a mental health professional. If somebody, if you are kind of like opening up and then someone tells you what to do or tells you what you're doing wrong or, well, you were out last weekend, so that's probably why you're feeling... Like when you hear that kind of stuff, that mm. does nothing for you really. Like then you just start getting more, I suppose, inward around like, you know, oh, I've done something wrong, you know, da, 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 da. And I'm sure there is lifestyle things you can do to change. But I think in that moment, sometimes saying things like that can be quite dangerous, you know? Yeah, yeah. And especially if you're not a mental health professional. So you can't offer that advice. Yeah. You know, the can I ask about the type of people that, uh, come to Beyond Blue. Uh, I know you mentioned like anxiety, depression, or suicide. Are there anyone that's like quite mild and just like just a few symptoms or just not feeling themselves, or do, are they quite severe? I know when I was dealing with my mental health and struggling, I was there's play there's things like PA the house back home, and I was like, oh, I'm not that bad, or you know, there's people worse off that need that more, and I don't want to be taking their place. So I never went down that route, mm. but it was probably something I should have. Don't know. Thankfully, I had family and we went privately and stuff like that. But it, I can someone that's just a simple like not feeling myself today. Can I come and speak to someone? What kind of people come to you guys? Everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone, Sarah. I think, you know, people from um, all walks of life and from all journeys on that mental health road um, are reaching out to Beyond Blue. So, you know, sometimes they're looking for support for themselves because they're struggling financially or they're struggling um, with work, or they're struggling, you know, with their own kind of day-to-day mental health. Um, But then we also have people um, coming to Beyond Blue to support other people. How can I give back? I can become a speaker, or I can volunteer an event so I can talk to the community face-to-face, that kind of thing. So look, I think it's everyone. Um, And I think, you know, more specifically, we just have to get down to who are, who our who are our communities over the last 20 odd years? But I think it's everybody, Claire. Yeah. I thought that was always a stigma that, mm-hmm. oh, to go to a charity, you have to be really bad or you have to be like on the verge of unfortunately going to take your life or something like that. 
I know that's what I thought years ago. Um, but that's why I found it quite interesting that when you did, um, when you were diagnosed with clinical depression, that you didn't actually take any medication. I've, I'm in healthcare and I find that they just drive medication and I personally prefer talk therapy that's just my opinion I'm not against medication but I found it quite interesting did you find that they were trying to force medication on you or anything definitely I think um, I might have mentioned uh, to Neil and Gary the first chat that we had that um, just after my mom died, you know, they, they recommended, I don't remember the, who the, the, the they was, Neil, but I remember being in the abyss somewhere said, you should really go see someone and talk to someone. So, um, Neil mentioned earlier, I, I think it took me about three therapists before I found someone that I was comfortable talking to because part of the problem with the first two is that they did want to give me medication straight away. Within the first time I actually spoke to them, by the end of the that one 60-minute session, they were ready to prescribe uh, medication for me. And, you know, again, interestingly enough, I think, you know, I think most people would be like, I'm feeling pretty down, let's go for it. But I just went, wait a minute, can we just have a chat first? Um, because I I knew even by taking aspirin, you feel different, right? You, you, you know that that if you take a particular medication, it's going to alter your mood, how you think, all of that stuff. And I, I knew I was feeling pretty down. I knew I was feeling very depressed, but I also knew that I just needed to get stuff off my chest. I needed to be heard. And so I thought, look, that's fine. I know you want to give me medication, but can we talk first? And then after a couple of sessions, if, it, if it's not getting me to where I, I feel I need to be or where you feel I need to be, then we can have that chat about medication. So you're right. I'm with you, Claire. I, I don't. I don't have anything against medication. I think it works for some people, but I would rather not unless I have to. Yeah. It's a combination thing. Absolutely fine medication if it helps you. Hopefully not a long term thing. But I find that they hand it out, and I'm kind of like, okay, but have you spoken about the issue? Why did you, Why did you start on the medication? Like, mm. I know family members and friends that are on it, and that's fine but you've actually never spoken about the problem. Do you actually, do you know why you're on it? Like what triggers you? So yeah, I'm big into talk therapy, but look, everyone's different. And I, I accept and support whatever anyone else is thinking, but I did the assist training and it definitely made me just more aware and kind of more open to speak about it because I had from a very young age, but it was definitely like, if you ask someone, are you thinking about taking your own life? It's not giving them the thought. They already had it or they don't have it at all and that really was kind of like whoa okay didn't I never thought of that I always assumed that you're kind of giving them ideas but yeah it's a really good training program um just to kind of make yourself more comfortable with speaking about it yeah yeah definitely sorry about the package again <laughs> um oh, you're doing your yeah. shopping early good that I'm going to have to drop out. I'm sorry, oh. I'm going to have to go to work. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> I really <laughs> wish I didn't have to, but I do. Oh, <laughs> again. No, it's very interesting. It's really, it's so good to hear it. And yeah, very um, interesting what Beyond Blue does. Yeah, great. We'll have another chat. Claire's like to Definitely. meet you. Yeah. Definitely, Claire. Bye, Bye, guys. Thanks. Thank you, we're, yeah. quite, we're, we're kind of coming towards um, the end, really. Anyway, I suppose the only thing I was going to add to that last bit was that whole thing that Claire was mentioning about medication as the first step or the first like kind of solution is not just limited to mental health. It's 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 nearly an all 
aspects of let's say the system you know i know friends of mine who have who have endometriosis they go in and then the doctors will try and prescribe them to you know take the pill or do something like that you know you might i went in famously a while ago had an issue with my knee and um the guy was like oh you need to take antibiotics and i was like what it's like a soft tissue injury on my knee like and he was yeah. trying to give me like antibiotics and i was like what are you talking about instead of um, rehab or physio they wanted yeah, to i went and got an mri and then i had yeah like you know like and i ended up having like tendonitis i think it was in my knee like and he was trying to get me to take like uh antibiotics and like again antibiotics when you need them like are absolutely vital but to just throw away that kind of off the cuff easy option kind of thing it's just like you know again self-restraining but again it goes back to the whole thing it was like who's responsible for policing all this like it's a far bigger question and far bigger thing that i don't think we're going to solve in the mm. the virtual walls of this podcast but maybe for another day but mm. yeah we'll move into the last section gary will we yeah I'll just do the wrap up yep questions you want it this week yeah <laughs> uh yeah so jen so humble <laughs> Again, we always just wrap up with quick fire questions, maybe take us 60 seconds. Uh, we ask every guest this and collate all the data and just to see if there's some common themes or trends um, with okay. everyone. Yeah. So the first question is, when are you at your happiest? I am at my happiest. Oh, there's a lot of times, but I think when I think about what can improve my mood, what makes me kind of happy is one of them is being outside. Like I love being outside. I, I go outside if the sun's out, close my eyes, sun on my face. It, it's just, there's, it's that vitamin D thing. I love being outside. Um, I love connecting with people and talking to people. I love hearing stories. People have fascinating stories, fascinating experiences. And I love hearing about those and, and chatting with people and connecting with people. Can you hear that in the background? The it's, all right. it's, a, no. it's all right, it's fine. Okay. Yeah. All good. coming in sorry technology That's um um i also love sitting in silence sometimes i think you know with our busy lives there's a lot of stuff coming in and and kind of distracting us all the time so sometimes i love to sit in silence but on the other end of the spectrum just listening to some amazing soothing music as well so it allows me to just kind of disconnect a bit and just unwind so there's a few times yeah what is your current mental health out of 10 look it's a bit chaotic at the moment coming up to christmas but i think i'm probably sitting around an eight solid well do you think the world's current mental health awareness is out of 10 the world not australia just like the world the, the whole world general the whole, yeah. the whole world oh gosh look I think the world's probably sitting around a five, maybe a little bit lower. I just think, and that has a lot to do with the stigma. I think there's, again, if we just renamed it to health instead of mental health, I'd say higher. But I think with um, with the, that term mental health, the awareness, the the stigma attached to it, it, it could be, we need to do a bit of work, could be a lot better. Yeah. If you had to give people just one thing to do every single day that would improve their mental health, what would it be? Look, I think I've got two, actually. Um, one is give yourself a break. I think 
people put a lot of pressure on themselves to get everything done to 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 perform to a certain standard um but we're only one person at a time and i think that puts a lot of pressure on us financially emotionally mentally physically even i think if you give yourself a break and and understand that you're only one person and you're only capable of what you can do in one day um even if you don't get those things done in one day the world won't implode and we're all going to be okay i think people need to slow down and give themselves a break um and i think also realizing that you're not alone in this world there are people out there that feel the way that you do they feel similar to how you feel um and that you can connect with them or at least knowing that there are people out there that feel the same way that you do um that feeling like you're not alone i think can really improve uh your mental health and your mental well-being yeah uh, and lastly just really where can people find you connect with you if they want to reach out what's the best way of doing so you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm there quite a bit because I'm a, a lot of times sharing articles that I find or just little memes about mental health. So I'm on LinkedIn quite a bit. Um, and if you reach out to Beyond Blue, just check out the website. Again, if you're looking for support, it's on the website. If you're looking to give back, how to get involved with Beyond Blue, it's all there. It's really easy to find. Um, and if you want to get involved with Blue Voices, you can email us at bluevoices at beyondblue.org.au and sign up to, to give back. So if you want to have your voice heard as someone with lived or living experience, um, come to us and we can put you to work. Yeah. Excellent. And Gary and I have both signed up. To sign okay, this. good. You no. did. <laughs> We're on the list. <laughs> yeah. That's great. We'd love to get you involved. Um, everybody in Australia that that would like to use their voice, um, we need your voice to, mm -hmm. to make things better across the mental health sector and suicide prevention sector. Yeah. Appreciate it. Well, okay. like, well done again. Unbelievable story, Jen. And it's been great to hear where you came from where you are today and all the amazing work that you're doing around this topic which is obviously very pass passionate um for gary and i and yeah we could do it a lot more gens in this world so keep up the good work oh thank you thanks very much it's been great chatting with you both um and thanks for signing up for blue voices um <laughs> And thanks for the podcast. Like you guys are doing some really good work and it's nice to hear people just having conversations. Um, it's really important because I think it all leads to that normalization of mental health and trying to reduce the stigma. So super important work. Thanks for this podcast. Brilliant. Thanks, Claire. Thanks. 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 Jen. Yeah, oh, sorry, you go, mate. I was going to say... Um, yeah, and for anyone that's listening, we're season two, we're, we're on YouTube. So this video will be aired as well as being on Spotify. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at These Lads Are Mental, or we're on LinkedIn as well. We post a lot of the episodes there. So if you know somebody who could be a good guest or um, want to come on yourself, you know, you can get in touch with us over those channels as well. Okay, perfect. Well, Jen, have a good day. Enjoy your, enjoy your weekend. Thanks, Mil, Jen. Thanks Cheers. again for everything. See ya. No problem. Have Good a good weekend. Cheers. Okay. Love. Bye. Bye, bye. Bye. Don't forget to follow us on all the social media channels, including Instagram and Twitter, at These Lands Are Mental. And if you do have a topic or a guest or subject that you want us to talk about, 
please do get in touch and send in your suggestions. Thanks for joining us on today's show. As mentioned at the beginning, if you are struggling with mental health, please do seek further assistance. Here's who you can get support from. Lifeline, Beyond Blue, Fitzier, and the Black Dog Institute.